Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Glad that you're here. Guess who we're going to talk about this morning? Really? Come on. Y'all sleepy? We're going to talk about Noah. Maybe this will wake you up. One time there was a flood on this earth, and if you wasn't in that boat, you didn't make it. Would that wake you up? Man, I'm struggling today, Trip. All right, let's get into the lesson then. How about that? Noah and the ark is not only an actual historical event, but a valuable truth about God, about biblical history, and about where we see salvation in action. And it's no surprise that we find it referenced, as was just read in Hebrews chapter 11, in that great chapter, the Hall of Faith chapter, as an example of another person with great faith in God. We're continuing our series on trusting and obeying, and last week we talked about Abraham and how he was unstaggered or he was not wavering in his faith with God, but he believed and he trusted and he obeyed. And today we are going to continue that thought. If you would, we're going to deal with Hebrews 11 in just a minute, but I want us to go back to the story. Genesis chapter 6, and I want us to look at verses 5 through 22. And this is the account of the flood. Uh, the, the whole account is Genesis 6 uh, chapter 6 through chapter 9, and I'm not going to read all that, but I want to bring us into the thought. I want to put us in the mind of where Noah is and what's happening. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Look at what the Bible says. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Could you imagine God's mind at that time? But verse 8 says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood and make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above, and set the door of the ark in, it, in its side, 
you shall make it with lower second and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing flood waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your son's wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing on the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Moving me down to chapter 7, verse 7 through 12, and then we'll begin our lesson. So Noah with his sons, his wife and his son's wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds, and of everything that creeps on the earth. Two by two, they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. In the, now think about this. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Could you imagine being 600 years old? I mean, that's a, that's a long time to be alive, isn't it? Noah was 600 years old when he stepped on the boat. Everything was destroyed Brethren, except Noah and his family in a worldwide flood. Now, do we believe that? You know, it tells us in uh, Genesis chapter 7, verse 12, it says that the rain was on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And Genesis chapter 7, verse 19 says this, uh, And the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. Think about that. All the mountains were covered with water. In a world that many cannot get their minds around such an incredible event. Brethren, do we believe that this really happened? See, the most incredible part of this story it's not how the water got so high and how it was so deep, which is amazing, isn't it? See, it wasn't how Noah got all those animals and those creepy things, right? How did that go about, right? How did he get all the creepy things? What were the creepy things, right? That's amazing and that's incredible in itself, but... The most incredible part about this whole story, the reason why we read about it and talk about it, is because Noah's faith in God was something to be talked about. Amen? Something to be admired. The Bible tells us that Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. 
How would you describe such faith? God told Noah in Genesis 6, 14, the verse we read, Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in this ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. I want you to build this boat. I want you to, to get in this boat with your family. And I want you to get in this boat with all kinds of animals. How would you feel about that? And you get to build it. Like I talked about last week. You get to go get the wood. You get to go cut it. You get to go shape it. You are the one that gets to do all of this. What about that? But look how the Bible describes Noah. What would your thoughts be if you were assigned that responsibility? Now remember what kind of place he lived. He lived in a place where it was nothing but violence. We're in a time where God is sorry that he created man. Think there was a lot of happy times? You think people were real respectful to each other at that time? You think there were some good comments getting made to Noah as he starts building this obnoxious looking thing by his house? Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 it says this is the genealogy of Noah. He was a just man. He was perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. Now consider that for a minute. Consider that right there. Noah was a just and a perfect man. The Hebrew word for that is just like the Greek. It's undefiled or without blame. In a perverse and crooked generation. A generation that was about to be wiped out. Brethren, don't say that you can't do the right thing because you can. And it only takes you to do it. Genesis chapter 6, verse 22, the Bible says, Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Brethren, when we think about our lives, are we doing what God commanded us to do? Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, the Bible says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. But the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, aren't they? And they hear the prayers of the saints. But the eyes of the Lord are against the wicked. The Lord told Noah to come into the ark, you and your household, because you have been found righteous. In Genesis chapter 7, verse 5, the Bible says this as well. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. These qualities, these points about Noah's obedience towards God. He was a man of great faith, amen? He believed, he trusted, and he obeyed. But doesn't those qualities, don't those qualities sound familiar the character of faith, and hear this one. The character of faith that saved Noah is the same faith that saves us. Amen? We don't know how much information Noah had on redemption. We don't know how much information Noah had on sacrifice or salvation. 
Who knows if he knew as much as we know, but the Holy Spirit utilizes his faith in the scriptures through the pen of Moses as a lesson for us. Because it reveals what faith, what real faith looks like. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, the Bible says, By faith being divinely warned of things not yet seen. Oh, what an application for our lives. If I just stop right there and listen to what the Hebrew writer says, he says, being divinely warned of things not yet seen. Sound familiar? What we have to realize is our faith is the same. It's based on God's word. Doesn't Romans chapter 10 verse 17 say something along these lines? So then faith comes by hearing, am I right? And by hearing the word of God. When we hear God's word, what is our attitude? When we hear God's word, what is our thought? When we hear God's word, what do we do with it? We must mentally consider what he tells us, right? We must mentally consider what he says, and then we have to make the decision on whether to do it or not. I want to break down Hebrews eleven seven, and then the lesson will be yours. The first thing is this. He was divinely warned. Brethren, have we ever been warned by God? Have we, on this side of the cross, Christians in the New Testament, have we been warned by God? I think so. Many a times, but consider this one. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you see this one? Is that a warning? One day Jesus Christ is going to come back and he's going to have vengeance towards those who don't know God and on those who do not obey the gospel. Do you remember what God told Noah? There's a flood coming and I'm sorry that I created man and there will be destruction. Brethren, did it happen? Romans 15, 4, things that were written before were written for our learning so that through the patience of Scripture, we might have hope. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 finishes with this thought. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Only eight people made it when the flood came, but it was coming. Some say 100 years, some say 75. I don't, I'm not getting into that because I don't know for sure, but it took Noah a while to build that boat. You don't think somebody in a hundred years asked him, why are you building that boat, man? <laughs> What's up with this? 
Man, you got three decks going on. What's all going in this thing? The fact that God warned Noah was both an act of mercy and it was a call to action. And it's the same for us. Am I right, brethren? That is the nature of the gospel today. The Bible is full of warnings. But what else happens in this verse? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. He received this warning about things not yet seen. Now think about this. The aspect of Noah's faith is amazing in this. And it's so comparable with us today. See, God was telling him about things that he had no prior knowledge of. Brethren, have you ever been to heaven? I've never been to heaven. I want to go to heaven, but I've never been to heaven. The concept of the earth being covered with water may have seemed absurd to Noah. What are you talking about, right? I mean, I couldn't even, we can imagine it, but could you imagine it to that magnitude where the mountains were even covered? I don't know if we appreciate it. I don't know if we really understand how much water was on the earth. People didn't make it, y'all. But Noah was willing to accept the unseen as real. And why did he do that? Why did he accept the unseen as real? Because he trusted in somebody, didn't he? He trusted in God's word. Because what did God tell him? There's this flood that's coming on the earth. But you know what? You're going to get in this boat and you're going to be saved. He was convinced. And he trusted what God said was true. And then he obeyed. And why did he do that? Because he was moved with godly fear as the verse moves on. Noah was fearful and he acted out of fear, but what did he fear? If I'm not going to build the boat, that means that I what, brethren? I don't trust what God says, that it's really not coming, right? But if I do trust what God says and then I build the boat, that means that I believe what he's talking about, right? And if this flood is really coming, what are the, the, the descript, what's the description of what's happening in this flood? Everything is about to be destroyed. That's pretty eye-opening, isn't it? Okay, everybody, we have five months to work as a team to get a boat made because there's this flood coming and you ain't going to have nothing left. Five months. On February the 15th. We'll move it up a little bit. Not five months. It's actually on February the 15th. Y'all know the movie. What is it? Evan Almighty? I mean, Hollywood tries to take this story. This is our story. This is our truth. It ain't no joke. Noah's fear was a godly fear. 
See, it shows that Noah knew that God was going to act and that he had spoken that it was going to happen. And that God should be respected as one who when he says something, it happens. Brethren, if we believe that's true, we should be moved to tell somebody the truth. We should be moved to tell somebody about the hope within us. Because if you're not in the boat, you don't make it. If you're not in the boat, you don't make it. Is this our attitude? Are we sleep at the wheel? Are we full of violence? Are we full of an attitude that, you know what, Matt, I appreciate you getting up there and being so emotional and yelling. You know what? I don't claim to be the best preacher, but I'll tell you this. I want to serve Jesus, and I want to tell somebody about how they can serve him too. And how he can get in the boat. And how he can change and do something you never thought possible. That's real talk. We see this same thought, this godly fear principle in Jesus, our Savior. You remember in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Don't miss it. Jesus, in the very most crucial point in his ministry, when he can say yes or no, when he can cry out to the one who could save him from death, he doesn't do it because he understands the implications of not doing it. By him not going to the cross, we don't make it. The boat doesn't get built It's halfway done. What happens to the boat if it's halfway built, y'all? When the waves come in, what happens to it? It's going to sink. But Jesus understood what God said. He understood what his claim that he was making was. Those who are without forgiveness of their sins don't make heaven their home. And later on in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore... Since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, we sit in a boat that is secure, that won't ever leak. Since we sit in that type of boat, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably. Brethren, answer this question for yourself. Are you serving God with reverence and godly fear? Because let me tell you a truth. Our God is a consuming fire. You think you tough? You ain't got no clue. <laughs> you ain't got no clue. Seeing Noah being moved by godly fear. I'm pleading with you this morning, brethren. I'm preaching from my heart. Can I preach from my heart today? Will you not hold it against me? Can I just pour out my heart to you today and let you know that if you don't get in the boat, you ain't going to go to heaven. You got to be in the boat. Only eight people made it. When the water started rising and they got in the boat and God shut that door, only eight people made it. We're living in a world that says Jesus is a joke. 
We live in a world that says the church of Christ is a cult. We live in a place where Jesus and truth is not good. It's wicked. It's silly. It's absurd. Why would you do it? Why would you push that point? Why would you talk about these things? Why would you do it? Because if you don't get in the boat, you don't make it. You can have all the money, man. You can have all the stuff. You can have all that nice stuff. You can ride around clean. You can do whatever you want. Have the nicest clothes. Have the best place. But if you are not in the boat, you out. You out. So you know what Noah did when he heard this truth? You want to know when he got warned of what was to come? You know what Noah did? He prepared an ark. Noah's faith caused him to build an ark. Think about this word prepared. It points to the fact that Noah was looking to the event of the flood as reality. Hear that one. If you don't hear nothing else, hear this one. See, Noah was preparing for something that was going to come. It was reality. If I believe that heaven is real, if I believe that Jesus said, be faithful until death and I'll give you a crown, what am I living for, brethren? I want a crown, don't you? He knew that by building the ark, this was not only going to save himself, but it was going to save his family as well. Do we realize that trusting and obeying God will save us? Would we say that's true? Would we say that it's also true that when we trust and obey God, that we show our family just how important it is to get in the boat? Hey, I'm getting in this boat and I want you to be in it too. I want you to be in this boat. Oh, man, I talked to my people. They don't want to hear it. I feel you. I feel you. Is that it? So they just don't get to get it, uh, hear about getting in the boat anymore. That's enough. I tried it, man. I've been trying. I feel you. I feel you. But is it still not a reality? Is it still not the truth? Is it still not what God says that a day's coming where we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we're all going to be judged on our deeds, whether good or bad? It's true. I want you in the boat. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, what can I do to help you get in the boat? What can I do? Please come ask me and I'll tell you. I'll tell you how you can get in it. By Jesus. He prepares an ark for the saving of his household. And I like how the end of verse 7 is in Hebrews chapter 11. Look at what it says. It says, for the saving of his household by, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness which is according to faith. Noah worked on that ark between 75 and 100 years. That's longer than a lot of us will even be alive. And you know what he didn't do? 
He didn't give up. He didn't abandon the project. Even though there wasn't evidence that he would benefit from his obedience. Now hear this one. Listen to it one more time. I'm proud of this one. This one's a powerful one if you catch it. Even though there wasn't evidence that he would benefit from his obedience, he did it. I don't have a uh, telescope, what are them things called that them, them ships used to look at? I don't have one of them things that, that, that looks up into heaven and, and every once in a while God opens that little portal and I can see, right? Oh yeah, that's what I got coming. I can't see heaven, can y'all? But you want to know what I do know? It's a reality and it's coming. And I get to be a part of it if I want it. See, Noah knew there was a flood coming. So therefore, despite the people saying whatever they said, I don't know, the Bible doesn't give account of it, but could you imagine, do we think that it's reality that nobody said anything to him in a violent place? Maybe they didn't. Maybe they never talked to him. Maybe they just said, this dude's nuts. I'm staying away from him, right? But what if he stopped building? And I'm about to close up. Would we be talking about Noah? What if he stopped building? Would he have regretted it? He'd have been in that water. That's my biggest fear about going on the cruise, y'all. Is I'm going to be left out in the water with a stick to hold on to. And dude's trying to get it from me. Man, get away from me, man. My stick. I'm going to take my stick. How long could you live out in that water? But what an application for us. Our families, our friends, all those around us should see who we serve. Amen. They should see it. Noah's life is defined by the faith he expressed in the things not seen. I love that thought. Oh, what an encouraging thought. Because I don't see some of these things, right? We live by faith, not by sight. Amen? Isn't that what the Word says? See, Noah's life is defined by the faith he expressed in those things not seen. He rested in God's Word alone. It was enough. What about us? I love the story of Noah because when we think about our salvation, Peter uses this story, this story we just talked about as an illustration of how we in the New Testament can be saved. Peter tells us this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20. If you're here today and you're not a Christian and you've heard this story of Noah, listen to this. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible says, Who formerly were disobedient. These were the ones who died in the water in Noah's time. It says, When once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. God waited with long suffering, it says, while Noah was preparing the ark, 
Brethren, doesn't the Bible say something about the Lord is long-suffering nowadays? And he's not willing that any should perish, but that all of us should come to repentance? But, but God was long-suffering. And he says that sal- the salvation of Noah and his family through the water is a type of salvation through which we receive water baptism. See, the verse goes on to say in verse 21, it says this, there is also an antitype. The word antitype here means corresponding to the illustration that I just gave you, which now saves us. Those of us who are on this side of the cross, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And what does the word say? Immersion. Just like Noah was saved through water in his day, we are saved through water today. Not magical water. See, look at what the verse says. It's not removal of filth of the flesh. It ain't no bath. It's an answer of a good conscience towards God. Noah in his mind said, you know what? If I don't get in that boat, I'm going to die. If I don't get in this water and get baptized, you know what's going to happen to me spiritually? I am going to die. I'm pleading with you, friend. I'm pleading with you. Be reconciled to God. Have your sins washed away. Though you be as scarlet, you'll be white as snow when you come up out of there. Because you're in the water saying, God, I can't do it. My plead and my my conscience is saying, I can't ask you to forgive me and you forgive me. But you told me how you can get it away. Peter said it in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. He said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. See, it's an answer of a good conscience. I can't do it, God, but I I know you can. And the only reason why I know you can do it is because just like you raised Jesus from the dead, you can raise me from the dead through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not a bath, not a removal of dirt from the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. How in the world do you think Noah felt when he got on the boat and he couldn't see anything out? He was saved. And then you remember when the waters dropped down on the mountaintop and he rested right there. And finally that bird came back and gave him that little bit of tree. What did he know? Oh, it's coming. And then when that bird never came back, that door opened and he looked out. And what did he see? The ground. (laughs) Some old stinking boat. I'd be ready to get out that thing too, right? See, Noah knew that being in the boat was the only thing that could save him. 
Just like we know that, is baptism the only thing? No, if you don't believe, I mean, you're just getting wet. If you ain't ready to repent and turn from your sins and turn towards God, you just got wet. If you're not willing to be unashamed and say, I confess that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you're just getting wet. If you ain't going to be faithful to him, you're just getting wet. But if you say, you know what? No more of me and all of you. I'm all in, Jesus. Teach me, guide me, show me the way. Noah wanted to please God, do we? Today, if you seek to have a clear conscience, then appeal to God through your willingness to be baptized right now as we stand and as we sing.